comes. Here. And watch out! He's got Wow! Point, because it's a 6% slope, 50 feet. So right now it will gather speed. Good weight. A two footer. Oh my goodness. All the way! Can you believe that? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 20 of the Walk It In podcast. While it would be Mark Cormack's week to open it up, I'm doing the honors to bring you the 2021 Four Horsemen champion, Mark Cormack, your co host on this podcast took the trophy home in Pinehurst. He is, this is not a video podcast. This is audio, but he is rocking the rainbow jacket as the winner. Mark, congratulations to you. Thank you, Jeff. Longtime golfer, first time winner. Feels great. A big move for you. How do I look in rainbow seersucker? Fantastic. Better than I looked as a former champion. You do look better than I looked. And you did pass me the jacket this year as last year's winner. So thank you very much. Thank you also for the bottle of bourbon you're going to send me. Congrats to you. Your first bourbon bet victory. Thank you. It took me betting. It took me betting on myself instead of PGA golfers to get a bourbon uh, bottle of bourbon. But. I did it. I'll take it. You're like Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth today was asked a question. He said he always bets on himself. And I think it was Jason Sobel from the Action Network that asked it because I think Jason Sobel then qualified or followed up with the with the answer. Like, wait, you bet on yourself? But obviously, it's the old sports analogy. So right. not necessarily that uh, Jordan walked to the window or opened up his DraftKings app to place a bet on himself this week. Although 50 to 1 odds, pretty short for I'll Jordan. I'll do that. I'll do that for him. There you go. A little spoiler <laughs> alert there. Okay, so what was uh, the best part of your game this week? What what drove you to the championship down in Pinehurst? Uh, well, funny you say that because it was the driver, obviously. Um, Stripe show. Always been a strength of mine, obviously. And it it's just, it's easier for me to play out of the fairway. Go figure, right? Um, you know, the way, so we played Tobacco Road. Great shot course. 80, shot an 83 there. I got my shit there. kicked in at Tobacco Road. Yeah, I uh, I played pretty well for, for my standard. Shot an 83. I'm sure there's some pretty good golfers out there scoffing at me like, oh, man, <laughs> T1 on that golf trip with an 83, right? What a shithead. But <laughs> I thought I played pretty well. I hit 86% of fairways at Tobacco Road. Obviously, That's how you win a golf this, tournament. Yeah, it makes the second shots easier. And, you know, from there, you just got to manage the putters best you can especially for me i'm not the best putter and then what I, I i thought i did a really good job of managing the putter on those lightning quick greens uh, at number two on sunday uh shot at 86 at number two and uh, i felt pretty good all week uh you know i played with you a couple times and yep. i don't know maybe you can attest i thought i thought it was working i, I stayed within myself i didn't let the moment get too big and uh, here I am wearing a rainbow seersucker jacket. You are. And for anyone listening to this podcast that thinks and scoffs at Mark's 83 to open up a tobacco road, just to kind of put a, a, a cap on how my weekend went down in Pinehurst, we opened at Tobacco Road. I put up double par on number one with a 10 on the par five. Thanks to if you've played at Tobacco Road, two big mounds obviously very visually intimidating golf course. It makes you think in your head on many tee shots. And it got me, put the ball into the left hill twice, saw Black Widow Spider while I'm walking to find my ball, 
bailed you on right that into ball. double digits. <laughs> scared me right out of that hole. But it didn't stop there. The, the the pain continued for the remainder of the round. But it was an awesome golf course. Uh, I think I think you beat me by six strokes, if I remember correctly. So I'm um, I'm looking to go back wherever we go next year for the tour and uh, reclaim my rainbow jacket. But you wear it well. I look forward Thank to you. you putting it on my shoulders next time we're out there. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Just trade and it between the walk it in guys. Well, well, yeah, we brought the championship home for walk it in. I'll take it. Um, great trip. Obviously, it's it's always great to get back with the guys. All the listeners out there who go on annual golf trips, etc. You guys know what I'm talking about. Just the camaraderie, the golf, the drinks, the dinners, everything about it. And then if you have a chance to go to Pinehurst, you haven't been. Places just electric. The whole complex there is amazing. Make sure you're, you know, you do the putting course, the cradle, probably the best day we were well, down I'm, there. I'm drinking we, a little bit of bourbon for the first time in a while, but yesterday and Sunday when we got back, I refused to even look at alcohol because of all the transfusions <laughs> that were drank when we were on the cradle. And Saturday was a day. Obviously we, we played our scramble around in the morning. We did putting course in the afternoon right into 18 at, at the cradle with just flashlights on on the 18th after playing it a second time through flashlights on for par putting Man. on the green. It was amazing. It, it was awesome. Great trip. Uh, great destination. We'll definitely have to go back, try some of the other courses that we haven't played like number four and you know, some of the other ones, but I love tobacco road, which obviously is not part of Pinehurst and uh, just, it was awesome. Great trip. I'm uh, happy to participate happier to win finally that's right, that's right. um but uh yeah it was it was great now we turn the page we do and we go from our major championship with all of our buddies to the second major championship on the calendar for this year for the pga championship so a lot of exciting names well all the big names are obviously here but back to an exciting course as well and there's a lot of different ways that we can take this this week because there is a, a ton of talent in this field. You were mentioning before we got started about the rangefinders. Did you see the interview with Tony Finau where he realized he could use a rangefinder in the interview? No, the only Tony Finau content I saw the last couple of days is when he said he thinks he actually believes he can win a major and he's one of like a, a handful of people on tour that can say that, which I thought was surprising since he is a loser, but you know, I, the fact that he's, you won you know, Mark, teach him your ways. You right. Were a so winner. listen up, Tony, you there came are, back, you won, you were yeah. tied for the lead, fell out of the lead, then came That's and right. claimed it at number That's two. Right. I was in third place coming into the final 18. That's right. Um, but back to Finau for a second, briefly, before you tell me about the range finders, he, he made a comment, uh, and, I don't want to butcher the quote, but in, in essence, he said there are only a handful of players who truly believe they can win a major, and he thinks he's one of those people. And I just think it's baffling that, first of all, if you're playing at the top level of any profession in any sport, you deep down, you believe in yourself enough that you can win a major. So points, negative points for him for, for thinking other players don't think that way about themselves. But he has yet to prove that he can win a major. So shut your yap and just go <laughs> compete. Anyway, for, what do you say about rangefinders? Well, before I tell you what he said about rangefinders, 
his quote was, I think there's only a certain amount of guys that actually believe they can win, like deep down. I think I'm one of those guys. I believe, I believe the quote was in regards to this week at Kiowa because it's going to be a bear of a course. Maybe it was about just winning in general, but you're right. It is a pretty ridiculous thing considering that there was a curse that Victor Hovland broke for him that, you know, was pretty much on the shoulders of Tony Finau for a long time. For the most part, unless you're, you know, a, a club pro or something like that, like you probably at least a little bit believe in yourself enough that you can compete and maybe win this tournament, this, whether it's this week or other majors, etc. Except for, you know, Matt Wolf, who's not here this week. <laughs> yeah. You know, See you, Matt people, Wolf. Most people believe in themselves right now, right? So <laughs> I just, Matt Wolf has zero self belief. Right. Yeah. I hope he has fun week. watching. <laughs> yeah. Golly, that's ridiculous on on that end. But uh, Finau's rangefinder comment wasn't even really a comment so much as a reporter's question. And his response was, oh, really? I didn't realize we could do that. I haven't had time to think about that. What that, have you been thinking about? Does that what, sound like... Does that sound like the preparation of somebody who believes uh, they can win the... Does the, that uh, sound PGA? like the preparation of a winner? I think not. I think <laughs> a not. Loser. There's so many people who have had comments about rangefinders and whether it's going to speed up pace of play or not. And I don't, I mean, whether you believe it will or won't, who cares, right? Like with the yardage books, the way they are nowadays, a rangefinder for most of these guys seems to be something they don't even care about, but for Finau not to even know, like counter argument here, Mark, maybe he's just been so focused on thinking like a winner. He's forgot about loser mentality of using a rangefinder because pga pros seem to think it's like loser mentality <laughs> that's quite the spin but maybe someone he, on this podcast should stand up for Finau every once in a while i don't i wouldn't recommend. it won't be you and i know it won't be you <laughs> 10 out of 10 would not recommend i just think i think rangefinders i know you didn't ask for my opinion and you don't care but rangefinders i think are going as your to slow the game down i think you're still the players are still going to do everything that they normally do as far as walking shots off and consulting the book, consulting the caddy. Then on top of that, they're going to go to the number like Mm -hmm. players don't shoot right to the flag. Anyway, they pick a spot. They know what the yardage to the spot is. Rangefinder is not really going to be able to tell them that, but they're still going to use the rangefinder because they can. So I think ultimately it's just going to add more time to it. Two two quick thoughts about that. So the whole point about like when you go to the golf course, when we're playing, right? You gun with your rangefinder, the flag stick, right? Right. What yeah. do you typically aim at? The flag stick. Yeah. For well, golfers. Because we're idiots. Because yeah. we're idiots. Exactly. Do you remember the video that No Lane Up posted of DJ Pi playing without any flag sticks? That's right. What do you shoot? A 78? Yeah, some I don't know. I don't remember what his handicap was, but aiming to the middle of the green. Exactly. Because a lot of times that's right. Like they could shoot something around the green or something, but they care about the cover number. What's Mm -hmm. it take to cover this? That's in the yardage book. And then they're playing, okay, it's this deep. The the green is this deep. So we're playing to this spot. That puts it at 145 yards. That's where you're aiming. It feeds down to the left. Boom. Right. So, like, what are they gunning? Because when you're on a, on a surface, even if there's a little bit of elevation, you can't really gun a spot on the green. So right. to me, it doesn't really even have value. And for most golfers, it would be beneficial for us not to gun the flag because then when we aim there, we get ourselves in trouble. Agreed. So. 
And I think that after a couple trial runs of this, they're going to realize that it's not needed nor wanted. So I don't think it will become a permanent part of the game. I, I mean, I'll be interested to see how it's utilized and dispatched this week, but I don't think I, I do think it will slow it down a little bit. And I don't think it's necessary for players. Yeah. Yeah. If the goal, which I believe it was, is a speed up pace of play. I, I'm with you on the point that I don't think that will happen. So, right. Neither here nor there, but for this week, you were talking also about the TV schedule, which I thought would be really good to mention on this podcast because we don't typically get, I mean, it's a major championship, right? But we don't typically get this kind of TV coverage, which is worth noting for the gamblers out there. You're probably going to be treated to a lot of shots more so than you would in a normal tournament. Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, a lot of people are working from home these days, you know, you're sitting on your couch or trying to log into your streaming network and what have you. And PGA tour live is acting up, et cetera. You don't really even have to worry about this, the, uh, that this year, because the PGA, uh, thanks to ESPN and CBS has ton of coverage. So you, almost wall to wall ESPN plus will be, you know, in the mornings on Thursday and Friday, you can log into ESPN plus whatever. Then you'll have live TV coverage from one to 7 PM on Thursday and Friday. And on Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on ESPN, 1 to 7 p.m. on CBS. That's nine hours of live golf coverage on TV. It's amazing. I just pray that they get rid of the coverage gap that always exists in the transition from NBC to CBS. The worst 15 minutes ever. Yeah, hopefully there's nothing going on on CBS like that's supposed to end by 1 o'clock, you know? It's like college goes into overtime. It's like college basketball season when you've got a college basketball game and they're calling five timeouts in the last minute. And you're like, look, right. it's over. Move on. Switch yeah. the coverage. We don't have that problem this year. Let's hope we get we get all the golf we want because it's going to be an action-packed weekend. Um, and hopefully we have a lot of guys who are in the hunt from the beginning because last week, props to you, you had Sam Burns, I believe, with a top 20. Is that yeah. right? Put two units on that guy. Besides that, dumpster fire. Yeah. Wasn't, so was the course. Great. Did you see the course was underwater last week? Yeah. At the Byron know. Nelson? Mother Nature got the best of them on Sunday before KH Lee ultimately won. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that looked disastrous on Sunday. We obviously didn't get to watch too much live coverage, but catching up on, on all the highlights and then seeing the weather delay on Sundays looked crazy. We did say it would be a birdie fest, and it was a birdie fest. And there were Spieth was in the mix, who we'll talk about this week. We've already kind of touched on him. You had Burns in the mix. Uh, you had Leishman as one of your picks. He didn't finish top 10, but he was around there. And he is a trendy guy this week for Windy Kiowa. That's right. He's uh, probably going to be a little bit of a public, I, not an underdog. You know, he's not a public yeah. dog in the sense that you've got to pick one, one guy or another, but he will be a public play as far as guys maybe a little bit lower down the board for sure. Yep. And so with that, anything else you want to talk about in the world of golf before we transition into what we're looking at this week for the PGA championship? I'm ready to do it. Let's preview this bad boy. Love it. Yeah. Second major of the year. We're at another Pete Dye course. Uh, you've heard us talk about Pete Dye. We played 
as we said, Tobacco Road down in uh, just outside Raleigh, which was a Mike Strands design, who was a pupil of Pete Dye. So Pete Dye himself, TPC Sawgrass, where they play the players, the stadium course, where they played the Amex in February, and also TPC Louisiana, where we just had the Zurich Classic. The man's fingerprints are all over the PGA Tour schedule, and they are again here at Kiowa, the Ocean Course, which hosted the same tournament back in 2012 that Roy McIlroy won on a runaway train. Um, so we'll talk about McIlroy here in a few minutes. The one thing this week that stands out, this course is the longest in history of the majors. 7,876 yards. Do you, think it's go- Do you think it's going to matter? If the wind is blowing, 100%. Yeah. So you mentioned the wind. The wind is a much bigger factor to me than just saying the course is seven, 800 yards, right? Because we talked about it at length this past week with, with our buddies. Like the courses, like you can't really lengthen them enough that it's like a true defense. Like you add the wind and stuff to it, then yes, I agree. A 7,800 yard course could become 8,000 plus. And then mm-hmm. you're talking about disadvantages and advantages for, for some players. But 7,800 yards just stand standing alone like that, I don't think is too big of a deal. And then, of course, you're going to have some holes that are downwind and, you know, maybe some that are less wind than, than others. And I, I ultimately don't think it's going to be that crazy. I might be in the minority. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be, like, insane to say, you know, oh, 7,800-yard course, like, take the shorter hitters out of it. Like they're not going to contend because I don't think that's true. Right. Right. No. And and I agree. I think, I think distance will help guys this week. I mean, it's a par 72, right? I I think it will be valuable, but I don't think it's the end all be all. I would agree. I I think with the way it's set up there, they were even talking about about three and a half inch rough if I remember correctly, which is not something that was there last time in 2012. So they're trying to make this very penal and there's plenty of trouble. It's a Pete Dye course. That's the name of a Pete Dye course is like, find the trouble, stay away from it. So I don't think you can be just a grip it, rip it and walk up and find your ball. I mean, there's, there's penalties everywhere. If you aren't being somewhat consistent with where you're placing the ball off the tee. I don't know how far, uh, how long Harding Park was last year when Morikawa won, but Morikawa is like 127th on tour and driving distance. You know, so if PGA Championship courses are set up similarly, and I understand that each course is different, but if the setup is similar, like Colin Morikawa just took down a PGA Championship He's a hundred. He can't even, you know, he can't drive the ball. Like almost all players on tour can he's, he's below average. He's 121st in distance this year. Uh, 225th. I'm sorry. 125th in distance this year off the tee. So he makes up with it. He makes up for it with elite iron play and, and, and what have you, but yes, you know, it's the length is not the end all be all. No, no, not at all. And this course also has past Palum greens too, which we see at Corrales in the Puerto Rico Open, which, spoiler alert, Victor Hovland has won both of those. Look out for Vic, for Vic this week. Uh, we'll talk about him here coming up. But I think those are some of the unique elements to this course. And again, of course, we see 
I'm sorry, not a course, but a design that we see frequently. And we saw in 2012, again, as, as Roy McElroy ran away with it. But is there anything else that stands out to you this week that the listeners should know when considering breaking down yes. the card? I don't want to make a big deal of this, but the listeners should know that I played this course back in November. Did you birdie it, any holes? Uh, I don't, I think I had one birdie actually. I still shot a 98. It was still very hard and very windy. Um, but I played it and it's definitely long. It's definitely penal. Um, I don't think it's like two, the, the fairways are, are wide enough, you know, where you can get in there. But like, like you said, like the rough is like pretty thick, you know, you get in like the shit and like the waste areas and sandy areas, like that stuff is tough to get out of. And the course I mean, it's difficult as especially for, you know, hacks like us, but I mean, it's, it's a difficult place, but and people should know I played it. Not a big deal. I was going to say, let's add another course to the list that Mark has played. When we do this podcast in 2024, when we're back at Pinehurst, I'll finally be able to say, Hey Mark, I played at Pinehurst. That's true. So I'm waiting for that day when I played a course on the PGA schedule that you haven't played. No, no, but uh, I mean, back back to the specific course and how I'm looking at the tournament as a whole. I want people who are just all around good off the tee, whether that's, <clears throat> excuse me, whether that's distance or accuracy, a combo of both. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think my card only has bombers, um, but the combination of length and accuracy very important, and then, mm-hmm. um, you know. I, I think making birdies slash avoiding bogeys and just kind of weathering the storm as you see in majors, you know, it typically is a, a key to winning and con- contending in majors. Like those, those two things are big for, uh, for me as well. Love it. So before we get into our picks, we just talked about coming off of our, of our yearly major championship at Pinehurst. And we do this with the same group of guys every year. It's always a blast. And while we were down there this year, we decided that we were going to bring in a third correspondent for this week. It's a major week. You can never have enough information. And so we are going to kick it to our buddy, Matty B, who's bringing a little bit of his own flavor this week. So we're going to kick it to you, Matt B. It's all you, your picks. Bring them in. Gentlemen, great to be with you here for PGA Championship Week. I'm Matty B., uh, let me just start off by saying, Mark, congratulations on your first ever Four Horsemen Championship. You got on the golf course, you got in the gym, and that jacket looks great on you, buddy. Good job down in Pinehurst. All right, let's get into it. Love this one to start it off. No hole-in-one, minus 110. You want to make a hole-in-one at the PGA Championship? Make it right in my face. I dare you. I double dare you. All right, next up, Top Scott, Big Bob McIntyre, minus 175. Only other Scott in the field, Martin Laird. He actually averages about a shot and a quarter worse on Pete Dye golf courses. So I like Big Bob to get it done. I know it's juicy, but you know what? A sure thing is a sure thing, folks. All right, next up, to miss the cut, Ricky Fowler. Oh, sorry, folks. The books are actually not even offering it because it's going to happen. So we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to go with Gary Woodland to miss the cut at plus 120. A little bit of fool's gold with him. Finished fifth last week cut the week before t40 at the masters t6 cut i just don't think gary's got it that consistent this year nothing against the guy but you know i i think he's getting cut all right next up 
see woo kim shaking that ass shaking that ass all the way into a top 30 at plus 225 i was shocked when i saw this because the guy won the players he plays well on pete die golf courses give me all that value baby just sneak in the top 30 that's all we're asking that's all we're asking all right next up top 20 even money bryson dechambeau big golf course big golfer don't overthink it next up top 10 the truffle pig, Rory McIlroy. Man, this guy's been sniffing around, sniffing around for a while. I really liked the way he was playing before coronavirus hit. Basically had a streak of T3, T5, 5, T5. When this guy starts smelling wins, he starts smelling the top of the leaderboard, folks. Let's take him at plus 140 inside the top 10. And lastly, folks, to win it all, I know I might be uh, upsetting some folks with this. I, a lot of people have talked about how he can't close it out when he's got a lead. But you know what? When you're not talking about you, it's a lot easier to get it done. Xander Shoffley, 17 to 1. Great off the tee, long golf course, accurate. He's every golfer on tour's favorite golfer. So I really would like him to get it done finally. Um, so we're going to take him at 17 to 1. And, and let's, hope, let's hope he gets it done, folks. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Maddie, that, that, those picks were excellent. I, I like am, them. I'm glad for your sake that the book wasn't allowing you to get that Ricky prop in because you would have been Owen on that one, my friend. <laughs> Ricky will be back in a big way at Kiowa. This podcast spends all of our Tony Finau hate. It's the same amount of Tony Finau hate as it is Ricky Fowler love. Right. They are equal weighted. We all have hills that we like to die on. Yep. Ricky's our guy. He loves Kiowa. And he might be back, at least back enough to make the cut. But great Good. job, Matty B. Yes. We hope yes. you do really well. Anything that stood out uh, I, in, I, in his picks? I think the one that I'm – I don't think I'm buying the Bryson hype this week. I'm I'm just not. I'll it's, talk a little bit about a, a matchup play that I think I like going against Bryson. But where when you think of Bryson, Mark, what do you think – like what what is Bryson's – sort of like secret weapon to you? I mean, outside of the length off the tee, I mean, I get that, but like, what do you think is the one thing in a golf course that stands out where like, if this is true, Bryson is going to, to, to far exceed the field. I think if there are shortcuts on yep. courses, you know, where his mind and his length and just his approach in general, I think where he can use that, that stuff, that info to his advantage. Um, like those are things that I look for with Bryson. Um, but like more straightforward courses, uh, you know, he, I don't think he's going to have too much of an advantage with his length because there are so many long hitters on tour. Right. Oh, well, and the thing for me is when the rough is really long, like U S open level rough, that's when you see Bryson because of his immense like swing speed and his ability to get down and get a ball and get distance that a normal PGA player wouldn't be able to do. And I know I mentioned the three and a half inch rough, but I'm not buying Bryson this week personally. Matt B's on it, top 20, even money. I, that to me is one that I'm staying away from. I, I would actually be on the other side of sort of fading Bryson this week. Even some of his stats don't jump out to me as someone who's coming in playing excellent golf. I am also, I'm not, not fading him, but you know, I won't be on him except a little teaser. I do have a prop that he is involved in, uh, with that I'll share later. Um, I just don't think, I don't think he's going to contend in the, in this PGA. Who is that? 
Bryson. I just Bryson. Don't think oh, you're still on to. Bryson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just don't think he's going to contend this week. Yeah. Um, like Matty B does. Um, yep. I do kind of like his no hole in one prop though. Well, Wyndham Clark shoved it in his face today in the practice round. Yeah, right. But practice doesn't, doesn't count. count doesn't so count. Okay. Sure. Maybe, sure. maybe they got the good one out the way, and now maybe. the rest of the week there won't be any aces. Maybe we'll see. Um, so we'll I like see. that one. And then uh, for obvious reasons, Xander to win is not on my card. No, mine either. See ya. <laughs> see ya. Burn yeah, those. Burn know. those units, Matty B. M- Matty B doesn't listen to us as religiously, I guess, because what was his comment? <laughs> if they're not talking about you, then I guess you're, uh, then if they're, if they're quiet, then the pressure is not on you. Right. Xander's never had pressure. There's no, no pressure for Xander. He's never, won, not. never won a major. Come on. No. Not, and when he doesn't that. win a major, nobody even cares because exactly. like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't move any needles. He's just kind of, I'm sure he's a super nice guy, but like, He's just kind of put him in the same train car with Tony Finau, decouple it and leave it at the station. Cause it's just don't don't not buy it, but he's not winning this week. No, we're off. But Matty B thank you for joining us again. A member of the four tour. Happy to have him bring some of his own juice this week to the podcast. So we, we appreciate you. We might not believe in every pick, but we appreciate you. That's right. Before before we get into the picks, I am uh, away this week on the greens, so I'm happy to go first. Let me just quickly touch on the things that I'm eyeing this week. Mark talked about it a little bit. For me, there were really three categories. The first, to Mark's point earlier, off the tee. Looking at a little bit of combination between distance and accuracy, hoping to see a little bit of a blend there for a guy. I'm also looking at scrambling numbers. I think the tight the, the tight lies around the greens here are going to present some tricky challenges. Need guys who can get it up and down and make par. When Rory won here, I believe he won at 13 under in 2012. I don't think we're going to reach that number. I think we're going to be closer to like seven, eight, nine this year, especially if the wind picks up. So you, you got to be able to get the ball up and down. And then the other thing is approach greater than 200 yards. We've already talked about the length here. You're going to have to hit your long irons well. And I'm looking for guys who bring some expertise uh, in, in, in that category. And then obviously also just want them to be trending in the right direction as it relates to heading into a major. Cause if you don't bring your game, you're not finding it here. You're, right. you're see ya after Friday, go, go pack your bags and head off to the next location. You're not finding your game at Kiowa. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I touched on, on my stuff, but off the tee, incredibly important for me. Uh, recent form incredibly important and then i'm gonna have some 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 big dogs obviously up on my card because i think the cream rises to the top as we've said in in past major previews sure does all right well i'll jump in inside the leather is up first again i'm away this week congrats to you mark on the sam burns pick from last week i'm gonna try to refine the mojo that i had at wells fargo my first pick is going to be Louis Oosthuizen, a top 20 at plus 175. I'm putting two units on this pick. We've talked about Louis before. We always talk about him as the guy who doesn't do anything flashy, but you find him on the leaderboard when the weekend's over. And you're like, oh, wow, didn't really see any Louis Oosthuizen coverage. Yeah, because he's not really contending, but he's never out of it, right? Mm-hmm. He's super consistent, can play well here in difficult conditions. The big thing about Louis for me Distance, average on tour, accuracy above average. Checks both those boxes for me. Very solid scrambler, good with his approach. The other thing that stood out to me was his improvement from the data golf guys on his approach numbers 
in the last 36 rounds to his approach numbers in the last 12 rounds. Same with his off the tee numbers. Both have improved drastically in relation to the rest of this field. And his tee to green in the last 12 rounds in this field ranks second behind Brian Harmon. There you go. There you go. A little trivia. little trivia nugget from the, from the Brian Harmon playing well this year. He is. He is. But Louie is my pick this week. Top 20 plus 175. I've got two units behind Louie. I like that. Um, my first top 20 pick, and I've got a couple of them on the card this week, but my first one's going to be Corey Connors, Old Faithful. You and I love Corey Connors this year, last year. He's we like you with him. the driver. He's a stripe show. Right? Some sneaky just, distance, but always yeah. down the middle. In his last 16 rounds, uh, he ranks 10th in this field, this star-studded field, might I add. 10th tee to green, 6th off the tee, 8th in approach. The guy's a stud. His putting is probably the weakest part of his game, but he's better on this type of surface, and he's in excellent form. The guy is just a baller. He's competing all year. Uh, He had a a T43 at the Wells Fargo um, two weeks ago, but that was his worst start in two months. So, you know, the guy is crushing it. He finished in the top 10 at the Masters, finished the top 10 of the players before that, he needs to be recognized as a top player on tour, in my opinion. And I'm going to put uh, two units on a Corey Connors top 20 at plus 188. Yeah, hot pick at the Masters, performed decent. This would be a good, a good sort of larger stage showing for Corey. Yeah, I love Corey Connors this week. I've got another top 20. This one is a little bit different from the Louis Oosthuizen. This guy has sort of come on much more strongly this year than he has in the past, and that's Cameron Tringali. He is everybody's favorite sort of the numbers just pop, right? You look at Cameron Tringali, you look at the stats, and you're just like, God, this guy should be winning tournaments left and right, which he hasn't really done. Again, a top 20 pick gives me plenty of cushion. He brings a even better combination of distance and accuracy off the tee than Louis Oosthuizen brought uh, 68th in distance, 90 in accuracy. So above average in both categories, 20th in scrambling, 63rd in approach uh, and greater than 200 yards. And again, those numbers are specific to the entire PGA, which I think kind of caps out at about 215 guys in the stats besides Louis Tringali isn't trending as positively from the 36 round numbers to the 12 round numbers, but they're not bad. He's still pretty consistent playing, I think, steady golf more than anything. And so I think this is a week where I, I want to find a steady golfer. And I think Tringali's season has been relatively uh, steady. So I'm going to book the top 20 at plus 275, and I'm going to put two units behind that as well. I am going to... Go back to the well. Earlier in the season, you knew I like to mix in the props. The kind of I, you know, I searched DraftKings high and low for more not off the wall plays, but unique plays. I think I could find an edge. Joaquin Neiman, my boy, top South American is even money. That's a two-unit play for me, automatic. So. Joaquin Neiman, the only South American players offered by DraftKings, Joaquin Neiman, Emiliano Grillo, Sebastian Munoz. Joaquin Neiman is obviously the class of that group, not to mention he's in great form. 12th 
uh, in strokes gained off the tee his last 16 rounds. Great with the putter, also ranking 12th in that category. If his driver is working like it usually is, he's a stripe show, one of the longest hitters on tour, one of the most accurate players on tour. I think Joaquin Neiman can certainly contend in the PGA Championship. And I think Grillo does a, a lot of good things. Um, but I, I just think Neiman, especially at even money, against just two golfers like that, give it to me. Um, I'm on some more Neiman stuff later. Um, but uh, give me Neiman as the top South American for two units. I think you've got one more pick on your inside the leather, but I'll kick back to you to take us through inside the leather before we jump to double breaker. Oh yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll keep it rolling. It's a matchup play for one unit. Victor Hovland minus 110, basically a pick them over, over Xander Shoffley, Matty B's guy. Uh, Victor Hovland, all he does is contend. He's a beast. He's going to win majors and he's going to win lots of them in my opinion. He has performed well at every single major he's entered so far uh, as an amateur and as a professional. He's one of the best players on tour off the tee. In this particular field, in his last 16 rounds, he ranks fifth off the tee, seventh tee to green, 20th in approach, 28th in putting. There's nothing this guy doesn't do uh, excellently, except for maybe around the green, but he's even cleaned that up a little bit. And... I think he's going to have really good week chance to uh, chance to win. And while, since I don't think Xander's going to win, give me Hovland over him. Well, let's talk about that. Cause that is a perfect segue into one of my favorite picks this week, which is Hovland to win. Like I, I couldn't love the pick more. And I also feel like the number is pretty good. I got yeah. it. At Let's talk about one. that, right? So you got it at 18 to 1, you said. Yeah. I got it at 20 to 1. It is well, currently, I believe, still 20 to 1 at DraftKings. So that moved since I placed the bet, which is a bit of a bummer. No, DraftKings number for me is 18 to 1. Still 18? Okay. 18 to 1 on my end. But uh, anyway, I got, so, I got it at 20. I love that for you because I, to your point about Victor over Xander, just Victor over the field, I it is so hard for me to figure out why outside of experience, Victor doesn't win this week. His numbers off the tee are some of the best combination of distance and accuracy on the entire tour. His scrambling, like you said, is above average. His approach game is incredible. He's top 10 in multiple strokes gained categories in the last 36 rounds. Like this man is a machine and he's proven him. He's yes. proven time and time again, a lack of experience does not deter him. I mean, nor does it deter somebody like Will Zalatoris. Like these young guys don't give a shit. They don't they care. Don't. They're just fucking good. They're ballers. Yeah. Right. They're just good. Like uh, it was Hovland's first attempt at the Wells Fargo at Quail, right? Yeah. And he goes T3. T3. Not a big deal. T3 the week before at Valspar at Innisbrook. Right. That's not an He's easy tournament. He's a beast. He won twice. I'm, pa I'm past Palom Greens. Mayakoba, which I think is at the Corrales course, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. He's also won to Puerto Rico. Like this guy, it, it is so hard to fathom. I mean, again, I think it's just the, the experience factor. 18 to one, he's behind a decent number of golfers who are all world-class. Don't get me wrong, but Xander's at 16 to one, Victor's at 18 to one. I mean, I'm sorry, Matty B, but I just don't buy the Xander thing. 
I think there's yeah. so much value on Hovland. Yeah, and especially when you match him up head to head. Oh yeah, take that. It's a, it's a take that and run. Give it to me. Take that and run. I love that. Well, so just to kind of quickly put a, a cap on this this pick, I'm on Hovland at eighteen to one for a half unit. What are you on Hovland for? Twenty to one, half a unit. Love it. And love I'm it. I don't know where what you're looking at. I I see him at twenty to one still. I'm looking at the PJ Championship. I just selected Victor Hovland on my app, DraftKings app, and I got eighteen to one. That's fucked up because I got 20 to one. I'm staring That's at it right now. Wild. Yeah. Man, maybe because I cleaned them out with my Rory pick. They're just yeah. not, they're not giving it to me. Maybe I, uh, did you did you move the line? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'm such a big spender when it comes That's to DraftKings. Right. Yeah. So I got 20 to one for half a unit. Wow. All right. Well, either way, I got 18, you got 20. Let's both mm-hmm. win and we'll both be happy. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh I know I sort of roped you into that pick. So I'll I'll kick it to you. Who else you got sure. on double breaker? So I'll uh, I'll give you a three pack of winners other than Hoblin that I'm on uh, before going into a prop bet that I really like. But um, I mentioned Connors and Neiman in previous Inside the Leather picks. They're both seventy to one to win. So both of them are going to get a quarter of a unit uh, from me because I think both of them are good enough to win this tournament. They're playing well enough. Their stats are great. Um, I, and at 70 to one for players of this caliber of their caliber, I can't not take a shot. Um, additionally, another person at 70 to one who's playing incredible golf this year, especially in the last three months, Keegan Bradley, yeah, He's he 70 is. to one come, came off a T 18 at the Wells Fargo second, at the Valspar, um, just top 20 after top 20 after top 30 after top 10 all season long he finished third if i'm not mistaken the last time this tournament was held at right. Kiowa. t3 he is somebody i'm really targeting now he's not the best putter in the world but he is great off the tee he's great with his approach um and he's great around the green so if he can put all that stuff together roll a couple putts in avoid some bogeys I love Keegan Bradley. I was so close to putting I was so close to putting him on my card this week. I just didn't love the trend of his 36 so his uh, strokes gain numbers on 36 rounds versus 12 from sure. approach and an off the tee standpoint. But season-wise, he might have a better driver distance and accuracy-wise than Victor does. Yeah. I mean, he he's, is he's he's playing great with that. Yeah. He's playing great golf at 70 to 1. He's playing too well not to take it. And the same, I could say the same for Connors and Neiman, which is why I'm on all three of them at the same odds. Okay. I'm going to take the same page out of your book. I'm going to, I'm going to give my other win picks that I've got this week. Cause I feel really good about this. So this means they're all going to miss the cut. That's typically how this thing goes. <laughs> so let me just quickly run down these people who will likely miss the cut. Okay. Here you go. Miss the cut people who I have to win. The first is Roy McIlroy at 18 to one. I placed this before the Wells Fargo on Wednesday night. I put three quarters of a unit on it. Because now he's at 11 and a half to one. The, yes. The favorite. Same way where you got Spieth before the Masters at a great value and Spieth was right. right there, just didn't quite get over the hump. Rory's, you can't really look at Rory's stats because I, I think the, the work with Pete Cohen and then the win at Quill Hollow, I think right now you got to look at it in a vacuum. You got to forget everything else and you got to look at it and say, did Rory put some things together? He's back Just at a course. Ask, he's won. Ask the question you want to ask, Jeff. Is he back? He's 
back. Yeah, he's on my card. He's back. Of course, he's all back. the way. He's all the way back. That's Just right. I want to make that clear. Yes, thank you. Just like Jordan Spieth is all the way back. Rory's all the way right. back. Yeah, forget the new coach. Yeah, forget everything. Just is he back or is he not back? If he's back, then bet on him to win. And and I did so last Wednesday night or there two Wednesdays Keep ago. Keep it simple, stupid. That's right. Don't overthink it. <laughs> Rory to win three quarters of a unit. Book it. Next win pick. Again, another person who we've talked about plenty on this podcast. I'm taking DJ 18 to one. I love it. I love the stats. I love the trend line. I love the fact that he's played well at PGA championships with back-to-back seconds. I, he was eight, nine, 10 to one a couple months ago. He's 18 to one right now. This feels better than the majority of fields that we saw him at eight, nine, 10 to one, but every single category for DJ in the last 36 and then moving to the last 12 looks really good. He's another driver with distance, average accuracy. His scrambling numbers are fine. His approach numbers outside of 200 yards are good. This just feels like a point shoot pick because Dustin's a point shoot player. And I'm, I'm willing to take the risk with this because at 18 to one, that's a lot of value for a guy who is a major championship winner. Love it. One more for you. I'm taking a Euro. I'm taking Paul Casey. Um, we've talked about Paul Casey a lot on this podcast. He, this season has brought a, a driver very similar to Keegan Bradley and to Victor Hovland. Very good accuracy, very good distance. His tee to green game has been fantastic for a really long time now. His approach outside 200 yards, he's second in the PGA Tour. He's 43rd in scrambling. He's 50 to one this week. I just got to do it. I, I think if the wind picks up, I think he'll be fine. I just like Paul Casey this week. And I've got one more. I'm throwing a lot of wind bets at it. Uh, DJ was for three quarters of a unit. Paul Casey's for half a unit. I'm putting a quarter of a unit on Sungjae. I just think his iron game has gotten back to what we expect to see. His driver, consistent. The other statistical categories look good. 80 to 1, this is your point about the 70 to 1s. I just think there's value there. So I'm putting a quarter of a unit for fun. Give me Sungjae. Okay. It's a lot of win picks. We don't usually yeah, get like that many them. win picks. Well, you know, when, but when you stretch out just a few units over, you know, so many guys, it's it's right. fine as long as you're you know you're not spending your entire bankroll on win bets because those are tough and right. You know, not as likely, but you know, a quarter unit here, half unit there, three quarters there, like I love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be fun. I is that it for you? That's it for me. So I'm gonna close it out with a prop that we're going to try to take a shot, get some early money on Thursday in round one. Bryson DeChambeau to Eagle in round one, seven to one for half a unit. Reason being, with the wind, obviously some holes are going to play longer, um, but some are going to play easier. And the way the par fives are set up at the ocean course, some are reachable depending on the wind. I think Bryson with his length, can take advantage of that. He's tied for fifth this year on tour in total Eagles. He's tied for first in holes per Eagle. Um, I just think there will be shots he could take on Thursday, depending on the wind, of course, but at seven to one, I'll put half a unit on that. Try to get, try to get off to a good start. Love it. I love a good Thursday bet. Reinvest those winnings over the weekend with some more matchups, you know, That's right. Let's go big game hunting. Um, anything else for the people 
this week before we break before we break and uh and just enjoy an awesome weekend of golf uh no man i don't think so i am excited for the tournament i think it's going to be awesome i love the ocean course so much it's going to be great to see i want to see how the wind affects players i want to see how the top guys do uh obviously i'll be looking to see how back rory and spieth are all you know, that that sort of stuff i you know i'm pulling for hovland big time and p- pulling for joaquin neiman and tons of my bets so hopefully both of us have some success and we get a great tournament you know we will I, I fully believe that. And uh, thank you again to Matty B for dropping in with some additional yeah, picks this love week. Love it. Just to recap, I've got inside the leather this week. So I'm taking Louis Oosthuizen top 20 plus 175 for two units. Cameron Tringali top 20 plus 275 for two units. Mark is backing Corey Connors, our favorite Canadian, top 20 plus 188 for two units. He's all over Victor Hovland to just crush Matty B's boy, Xander Shoffley, <laughs> minus 110 for the tournament for a unit. And his boy, Joaquin Neiman. There is not a bigger Joaquin Neiman stand than Mark right here. He loves him. Joaquin it in, baby. That's it. Wow. That is so good. We should just end the podcast right here. I can't beat that. Joaquin <laughs> Neiman. If he wins at 70 to 1, I may we I may have to file we might for need, we for, might need to uh, make shirts that marks. say Joaquin yeah. it in. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It. We're gonna love it. Shout I, out I to it. my guy Cody for Let's go. Uh, coming up with that one. Neiman, top South American, even money at two for two units. Love the card. Mark double breaker, break it down. Yeah. So you've got a ton of win bets. Hovland 18 to 1. Rory 18 to 1 placed at the Wells Fargo. You can't get that number anymore. Sorry about it. Dustin Johnson, 18 to 1. Paul Casey, 50 to 1. Uh, um, Sung Jay, 80 to 1. Big dart throw there, quarter of a unit on Sung Jay. I am also on Hovland. I've got 20 to 1 on him. Then I've got a three pack at 70 to 1. Keegan Bradley, Corey Connors, Joaquin Neiman. And then I ended it with a prop on Thursday, Bryson DeChambeau to Eagle in round one, seven to one, half a unit. So much action. It is so good to be back. You have been graced by the presence of a major champion, Mark, wearing the rainbow jacket. Congratulations again to you. I look forward to taking it back from you. Keep it in good condition for me for next year. I look forward to putting that back on the rightful shoulders of my own. But you won it this week, fair and square, and I give you props. It was a hell of an effort. Well, well done. We look forward to walking in our picks this week. Maybe Mark can rub off some of his winning mojo on his Chilean. That's Joaquin right. Joaquin right. it in, everybody. Enjoy the week. We'll <laughs> Good see luck. you.